Hey everyone, what's going on? Welcome to a brand new edition of the Sam Bissell Podcast on the Ambiguous Podcast Solutions. And right now I'm going to be bringing you the latest and greatest going on around the world of Hollywood. Hope everyone had a wonderful weekend and a wonderful past few days in the last week. I know I was off the the last few. I had a friend's bachelor party to go to. He's getting married in about a month or so, so I went away to celebrate that. But I'm back today and I'm back for the next few days to talk about what's going on around the world of Hollywood. And there was a lot of stuff last week and just today that I really want to dive in and discuss. And the first thing that I do want to talk about, well, rather the things that I will be talking about, there were a bunch of trending trailers that came out just today and over the last last few days on Thursday and Friday that I want to talk about. I'm also going to be getting into the debut or, or debut rather of the, the Venom trailer, which is part of the trending trailers that I'm going to be discussing as well. I'm going to be getting into some Black Widow character posters that came out as well, along with the first reactions for the brand new Zack Snyder film. That's not a part of the DC universe. It is, of course, his first foray in Netflix. And that, of course, is Army of the Dead. So I'm going to be getting into all of that and more in just a bit. But the first thing that I do want to talk about is something that I forgot to do on my last podcast when I was celebrating Star Wars Day on May the 4th last Tuesday that I wanted to address and actually talk about today. And that was, of course, the first few episodes of the brand new Star Wars show and the latest animated show from Lucasfilm, Star Wars The Bad Batch, which continues the adventures of Clone Force 99, which we were introduced to last year in the final season of Star Wars The Clone Wars. And I was really intrigued and curious to see what this show would be about. Of course, it comes from the mind of Dave Filoni, and it also comes from a brand new team from the animation department that is making this show. And I'm not somebody that is is in love with these animated shows, but sometimes they do create some phenomenal Star Wars content, like the last four episodes of Star Wars The Clone Wars. Of course, Rebels has done some amazing stuff as well, but it, it doesn't have, I think, a, a memorable impact as some of the live action stuff does, but it creates some great storylines, creates a lot of in-depth characters, of course, introducing people like Ahsoka Tanu or Kanan or Ezra from Star Wars Rebels as well. So I think a lot of there, there's a lot of hope to be seen with Star Wars The Bad Batch, and we're also being introduced to a, a little bit of a new world, but also an old world that we'll be exploring more and characters that we were already kind of introduced to as well with Clone Force 99. And I think with these first three or rather two episodes really of Star Wars The Bad Batch that we got last week... I really, really like what we've gotten so far with this show. I think it does exactly what it needed to do, especially on May the 4th when the first episode debuted. It was a 70-minute episode, the longest that any Disney Plus show has had since its debut in May of 2000, or not May, but November of 2019. And I'm very happy that it was an extended episode because I think that with the first episode, with the pilot, you need to establish this world, the conflicts, the antagonists, the characters, and they do that very well, but I also think it does a great job of really examining the this clone army, or really kind of post-clone army, which is now being part of the Galactic Empire, and what really happened to the clones during the Imperial reign, because I think what people might get confused on when it comes to Star Wars canon is, even though the armor that the stormtroopers have is linked to the final half of the Clone Wars... I don't think the stormtroopers are clones. I think they are 
individual people that are brought up through the system of the Imperial Army. And that is something that I don't think really has been addressed throughout the Clone Wars. And I think in this show, we can really kind of see where that really leads to. And also how the the galaxy transitions from one war to what will become a civil war between the rebellion and the empire and how the empire was formed in the, in the first few days and how it was able to really kind of become this reigning terror that people wanted to rebel against and create a new world order for. And I think that's what the Bad Batch is really gonna sink its teeth into. So I think it did a really good job of setting that up, introducing us to new characters like Omega and also really just doing a great, great job with that kind of stuff as well. So I was really impressed by what I saw. We got introduced to a bunch of new characters. We also saw a lot of old characters such as Grand Admiral Tarkin. We also were able to see some really surprising cameos in the form of Kanan or Caleb as he was known as a Padawan and really kind of see why he was so animosity towards people like Rex and the clones and seeing kind of the tragedy that befell his Jedi Master and everything that surrounded him. So I think that was a great introduction to get right into Order 66 and how this this group that is just kind of all they've known as a war and the Clone Wars and the droid army has to kind of switch its mentality to see that within their own rankings, the people that they have served, that there is evil amongst them, to kind of see them excuse me, kind of band off from that is really interesting as well. So I think those are some great things that are gonna be coming in the the coming episodes as well. And I think we're gonna see Rex, we're gonna see, of course, Finnick, who we know is gonna be in the show from the trailers that we've gotten so far. So there's a lot to look forward to. And I think these first two episodes really did a great job of establishing these characters, establishing the story and where we're going from here. And I think it's gonna take on the form of another really good animated show that will branch off into its own standalone adventures. But over, I believe, the reported 14 or 16 episodes that we're gonna get in this first season that, <coughs> Excuse me, we're really going to see these clones kind of do something that Clone Force 99 is really going to be really entrenched into what the Empire is going to be and setting up this overall story that we're going to be getting. So overall, really, really liked the first two episodes of Star Wars The Bad Batch, and I'm really excited to see where the show goes from here. And I think this is going to be a long summer summer show that we're going to get throughout from now, from May to around August, if we are going to get around 14 to 16 weeks of this. So that's really exciting now, and I think this is going to be a show that if you're a Star Wars fan, there's not a lot really in terms of live action or, or animated storytelling that we're getting right now. The next live action show is going to be The Book of Boba Fett in December. So I think any Star Wars content right now that isn't the High Republic with its comics and books, I think a lot of people are going to be looking forward to, and this is the show that I think is going to gravitate people to just having some Star Wars in their life for the next couple of months. So what did you guys think of the first few episodes of Star Wars The Bad Batch? Let me know what you think down below in the comments section and leave your thoughts below. Now I want to transition over to talk about some major, major, major trailers that came out over the last few days. And the first one that I'm going to be talking about is one that came out over Thursday and Friday that I didn't get to talk about because I was away. And that is, of course, the final trailer for one of the most anticipated films to come out in May, finally. And that is A Quiet Place Part 2, which was, of course, written and directed by John Krasinski, who also did the first one, in which he also starred in as well. 
And this one, of course, continues the adventures of this family that is in this post-apocalyptic world where you have these creatures that are very sensitive to sound. And if you make any kind of noise whatsoever, these creatures will find you and kill you. And of course, it stars John Krasinski's real-life wife in, in public. And that, of course, is excuse me, Emily Blunt. You also have Noah Jupe coming back, who I think over the years since the first Quiet Place came out, his profile has been raised in films that he's been in over the last few years. And then, of course, you have newcomers in this franchise, such as Cillian Murphy and Jaiman Hansu, who will be coming in as kind of mysterious roles that we really don't know who they're going to be playing or what kind of role, if it's more kind of protagonist in the beginning and then they come antagonist in the end, or they're really there to help this family throughout or, or really what they are so I think that that did a really good job and that's kind of what this trailer does as well as it doesn't give a whole lot of details and I think overall I think I'm just very happy that we were able to get a brand new trailer for this film and again kind of reaffirming that this is going to be coming out on May 28th during Memorial Day weekend and not really kind of coming out in May but then it'll, it's going to shift itself to sometime who knows in September or October this is really coming out during the summer movie season and this weekend along with uh, along with Cruella from Disney even though it's premiering on Disney Plus as well it, this is the, the, the May 28th weekend is really I think kind of the few that the true kickstarter to the, this year's summer movie season in the the small one that we're going to get this year where we're going to get at some blockbusters but not one every single weekend but again we'll take anything after what we just experienced this past year but I think overall this trailer I really enjoyed it I loved how in the beginning kind of like what the first trailer did where we get to kind of see day zero happen where it was kind of when everybody was introduced to these creatures and how this apocalypse started i really like how we kind of get krasinski kind of back into this so he's not completely out of it in front of the camera but to kind of see again the expansion of this universe is really exciting and i said it when i was reviewing the first trailer the one thing that you wanted to especially in any zombie or any kind of apocalypse franchise whether it's on television or a feature film you want to expand the universe you want to showcase not just the immediate restrictions of this one little location you want to go throughout it and showcase how other people are coping with this 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 the, the situation that everyone is kind of in so i think that is going to be really really exciting and, and from the reviews that i heard from people when this was supposed to come out in the last weekend of march of last year a lot of people were really 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 excited for what this film had to offer and because the first film was such a phenomenon was such a success in 2018 i think or yeah 2018 i'm really 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 excited to see the potential of this film and also to kind of see krasinski really kind of behind the camera once again and showcase that he doesn't have to do dual roles even though it seems like he'll be in the beginning of the film that he's really going to be able to focus on just directing this time and I'm really excited to see that as well and it seems like this film was able to really kind of set the not really set the bar but tied the bar at least in being able to being able to at least equivocate its sequel because when it comes to doing sequels, the big kind of pressure that comes with it is, are you able to at least ease equal what you did in the first film or maybe potentially elevate what you did or top what you did in your original film? And it sounds like from what I've heard from the reactions is that this film was at least able to match the level of that first film. So that's very exciting and very satisfying. And I think for a lot of people, 
Hopefully they go out and see this in theaters if they feel safe enough to do so as it is coming out on May 28th. And even though I think Fast 9 is going to be the next big indicator of where the box office is since the big success of Godzilla vs. Kong, I do think that A Quiet Place Part 2 is a very essential part of showcasing that a studio is confident of putting a big budget title like A Quiet Place Part 2 or like a Fast 9 and saying, you know what, we're ready to roll the dice, we're ready to, to get theaters back up and running and have big blockbusters back in the theaters, have anticipated titles back into the theaters that people really want to see. And I think that is going to be what at least begins the process of getting the theatrical exhibition and the box office back on some kind of a roll after the last year with the COVID-19 pandemic. So that is the trailer for A Quiet Place Part 2. I really enjoyed it. I love how mysterious it was, but it showed us that we're expanding this world and seeing these these characters evolve is going to be great to see and to see Emily Blunt kind of take on the leading role because she was a co-star with her husband Krasinski in the last film is going to be great to see as well so I'm really excited for this one and this trailer just continued to satisfy that with A Quiet Place Part 2 then transitioning from Thursday all the way to this morning we got some trailers for some titles to look forward to during the next few months. And the first one was for a brand new Netflix film that's coming out in the next few months, and that is Fatherhood, which is directed by Paul Wheats, who did American Pie about a boy in Little Fockers, and it also stars Kevin Hart and Alfre Woodard, and also Little Re- Little Rel Howery, Howery, excuse me. And it is based upon the 2011 memoir Two Kisses for Maddie, a memoir of loss and love by Matthew Lagine, and it is based off of this memoir and a true story about a father, a, a new father who has his newborn after his wife died a few days beforehand from childbirth. And now he has to kind of take on the task of being the single father and caring for a child and not having kind of your your spouse to match that with and help you in supporting this child. And, and he's kind of dealing with work and, and life and also taking care of this child. And it seems like we get to see the transition from this, this, this baby from being an infant to at least becoming a little girl. And I, surprisingly, I was really... I, I really liked what I saw in this trailer, and I think this also continues the ventures that Kevin Hart is having, and not just doing straight-up comedies, but kind of doing more semi-comedic, semi-dramatic roles in which he's not just kind of doing his crazy comedic moments, but he has some sincerity to his character, and to, to, there, there's heart to the movies, and I think that started with the with the upside with Brian Cranston last year, and I think with this movie. I'm very much looking forward to it. It was supposed to come out in theaters, but it was picked up by Netflix a few weeks ago. So I don't know if that's a good sign that maybe Sony wasn't that confident in it. And they said, you know what? It's better off on Netflix, which I think maybe this kind of film does. It's smaller budgeted, but you have a big star like Kevin Hart attached to it. Maybe it gravitates more on a streaming service. But I really liked what I did see. Again, it has some great heart to it. I love the chemistry between the the daughter and, and, and Kevin Hart. And I love that last scene where where they're, they're in this scary house and Kevin Hart punches a clown and the girl says, Daddy, you punched the clown. And Kevin Hart's like, no, 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 the, the clown's okay, the clown's okay. And so that adds to the comedic beats to it, but then you have some great emotional ones such as her, when Kevin Hart kisses his daughter's forehead and says, one kiss for, for mama, one kiss from, from your father. And just again, it's just some really great uh, emotional moments that I don't think we quite get from Kevin Hart a whole lot. So I think this is really kind of sh- gonna showcase that to a lot of people when they, 
when they or if they watch this film, which is premiering on Netflix. It is Fatherhood from Kevin Hart. And I wasn't, I knew about this film and there were some things that I was interested about it with, but now seeing the trailer, seeing what this film is about and what it's doing, I'm very much interested in seeing what this take on, on this film and what Netflix is doing with it as well. And of course, the final trailer that I want to talk about today is the big one that came out today that I had no idea was coming out. I think a lot of people saw it coming as far as I know. And that, of course, is the first trailer for the hit film, the sequel to the hit film, Venom. It is Venom, Let There Be Carnage. And we haven't gotten a whole lot of stuff from this film. Last time we heard really anything about it was when it was switching up release dates and any details about the film itself was when we got the full title for the film, which is now Venom, Let There Be Carnage. And I think a lot of people have been wondering when we were going to get a trailer for this film. And the fact that I think a lot of films are very much still kind of playing the juggling game of release dates. Sony wasn't comfortable of putting something out if they were still going to move the film around and get people's hopes up about it. When in fact, there were still a lot of questions on if they were going to release the film in theaters because theaters were shut down in the pandemic pandemic was really still at a heightened point over the last few months. But now it seems like, at least for a very good sign, another positive sign moving forward that Sony does feel confident enough to put a trailer out for this and staple that this film is hitting theaters, only in theaters, on September 24th. And overall, when looking at this trailer as a whole, just the trailer itself, I liked what I saw. And I'm one of those people that is, I think, in the minority, the fact that I thought Venom was a guilty pleasure. Now, is it a phenomenal film, one of the greatest comic book films of all time? By no stretch whatsoever is it that. But I think Tom Hardy was having fun with this role. I think the chemistry between the symbiote Venom and Eddie Brock was something that was surprising and I think was really one of the bright spots of the film. And it just felt like one of the old-time kind of superhero films, comic book movies that we got in the early 2000s with Spider-Man and the Fantastic Four and the X-Men film. So it just kind of felt like that. And I think for a film that maybe, again, wasn't that good, it didn't have a great plot, the, the characters other than maybe Eddie were underdeveloped a little bit as well. I just think it kind of brought a nice little throwback to those kinds of films and showcases how great of an evolution comic book films have had over time. And I think, excuse me, again, when we talk about these films and we talk about, again, like what we did with, we did with A Quiet Place Part 2, either matching or eclipsing what you did in the first film, how are you going to do that with this one? <coughs> and they already kind of did it by putting in the biggest foe that Venom could probably ever face. It is his his Joker. It is his Green Goblin. It is his Lex Luthor. And that is, of course, Cassidy, a.k.a. Carnage. Carnage is the biggest foe that Venom faces, and they're putting him right smack dab in the middle. It is played by Woody Harrelson, who had a post credit scene in the first Venom film, teeing up this matchup that we are going to get in this film. And of course, you have Tom Hardy coming back. You have Woody Harrelson, who's coming back, Michelle Williams, and Naomi Harris is a first-timer in this film. So there, this is a really, really great cast that we're getting. But the one thing that I'm really excited about with this film is the fact that Andy Serkis isn't in front of this camera, but he is behind behind it. And I think one of the great things about it is the fact that if Tom Hardy is doing motion capture, Woody Harrelson is doing motion capture, 
The fact that you have the motion capture master himself behind the camera, I think is really, really exciting. And I think for Circus, he's such a great artist in front of in front of the lens and being able to do what he's done throughout the years to see how he's able to get the best performances out of people, I think is gonna be really interesting to see. And for him to work with a guy like Tom Hardy, who's a great actor himself, and same with Woody Harrelson as well, and Michelle Williams and Naomi Harris, they're all phenomenal talent. To see him work with all these people is gonna be great. And, and what he brings to a big blockbuster. And I know people say that his first big blockbuster was the Mowgli film that eventually landed on Netflix, but to me, this is the this is the big top thing that you could get, which is not a Venom food, uh, film, but which is a big deal because Venom is a popular character, but also the fact that it's a comic book movie. And comic book films right now are the are the kind of that is the farthest you could go. That is the cherry on top for as a director for what you can do to raise your profile as a filmmaker. And Tom Hardy, not Tom Hardy, but Andy Serkis is doing exactly that. So I'm very excited to see what he's going to be able to do. And we also kind of got our first first look at Carnage and kind of his full glory and just little snippets. And it looks really, really cool. I'm excited to see where that goes. And also to see that maybe we could be getting some connections to other Spider-Man films down the line. And I'm not talking about the MCU Tom Holland version, which again, those rumors have been going on for a long, long time. But also in the trailer, we get this little snippet of the Daily Planet newspaper. And it's the exact same, I believe, of the Daily Planet newspaper that was in the Sam Raimi trilogy. And I'm not saying that those two are connected, but... I think it's a nice little callback to the to the the old Spider-Man films, and Sony did produce those movies by themselves. So I think that they're able to add that in there. It's kind of a little nice little nod and Easter egg to those movies. But I think overall, I enjoyed this trailer, even though it was about almost two thirty. I think it kind of acted as a teaser trailer, where we don't get a whole lot of story, but we get a whole lot with the characters and being reintroduced to Eddie and to Michelle Williams's character while also getting our first look at Carnage, but also kind of seeing the relationship of Venom and Eddie develop as well, I think is really cool. I love that opening opening sequence where we see Venom kind of trying to make breakfast for Eddie in a way. I think that was really cool. So I'm really excited to see where that leads from here. But overall, I'm very, very, very interested in this. Not one of my most anticipated films, of the year, but one that I am intrigued to see how they continue this universe. And I'm not really looking for this film to top what the first film was because that bar was already, it was lowered. And I think the bar for this one is is low. There's not a whole lot of expectations, but I'm looking for another fun time in theaters. And if I get that, then I'll come away satisfied with this film. The one thing that I am curious about is Venom Let There Be Carnage might be the big film to come out on September 24th, but there are still two other major films that are coming out that could take away from that demographic. One in particular that could take away from it. And that, of course, is the Sopranos prequel film from Warner Brothers, which is The Many Saints of Newark, which is being delayed and also will be appearing on HBO Max on that date as well. Then, of course, you have the musical adaptation of the highly popular musical Dear Evan Hansen, which was a Tony Award winner from a few years ago that is being adapted. You have Ben Platt coming back. You also have a great cast of Caitlin Dever. You have Julianne Moore, Amy Adams. It's a great cast to be filled out. And I think Universal will be pushing that film to kind of be on that level of which we're going to get within the Heights in, a, in about a month or so. And we're going to be getting at the end of the year with West Side Story. So that's another one that I think a lot of people will be looking forward to as well, along with the news that Broadway will be opening back up in September. I think there's going to be a lot of... Uh, 
of, of of Broadway fans are going to be looking to go back to the theater on Broadway, but also to get back into the musical spirit, not just from their homes after watching films like The Prom and Hamilton on Disney Plus and Netflix, but to go to a, a movie theater and watch something like that on the big screen for a popular musical is going to be something that I think people are going to want to see. So there's going to be competition for Venom that weekend. And then you also have to take into account that a few weeks beforehand, the next edition of the Marvel Cinematic Universe on the film side after Black Widow on July 9th, which I'll talk about in a little bit, is of course Shang-Chi or Shang-Chi as it's pronounced and The Legend of the Ten Rings is coming out Labor Day weekend. So that'll be a few weeks removed from that release. So there's a little bit of competition for Venom to be working with and I think it'll be interesting to see if it can either eclipse or match what the first Venom film did in terms of financial financial success which it made over $800 million at the box office which I think a lot of people were shocked about and the question will be does it have to hit that number or does it have to eclipse it and potentially become a billion dollar film for Sony which again even with these pandemic times and even with this film coming out in September I don't think is obviously plausible if we don't have theaters fully capacitated opening back up again, but also if people feel comfortable. So you wonder, what is Sony's actual goal for this film? Do they want to hit half a billion dollars with 500 mil? Is it 600 mil? Is it $400 million? Uh, We don't know what the expectations are, but I think the fact that I think if people respond positively to this trailer, I think is a good indication that things could be good for this film. And I know a lot of people didn't like the first film, but Sony has a plan for what they want to do with their Marvel characters, with their spoomic cinematic universe that they have going for themselves, which I still think is a ridiculous name. But uh, but it's going to be interesting to see what happens with Venom, Let There Be Carnage, and the competition that it has in front of it. So what did you think about the Venom, Let There Be Carnage trailer? What did you think about the Fatherhood trailer and the trailer for A Quiet Place Part 2? Which one was your favorite? I'm going to put out a Twitter poll on what you think was your favorite trailer to come out over the last few days. So let me know down below and leave your thoughts. I'd love to know what you guys thought. Which one was your favorite? Was it A Quiet Place Part 2? Was it the Fatherhood trailer? Or was it the first trailer for Venom, Let There Be Carnage? Let me know what you think and leave your thoughts. And one of the final things that I want to talk about on the podcast today is, of course, the first reactions from the latest of Zack Snyder, which is Army of the Dead. And since his success with Zack Snyder's Justice League a few months ago, now we get Zack Snyder kind of fully, completely ripped away from the DC universe. He's kind of back making original stuff, and he's not, he's going to have his films in theaters, but he's not working with a traditional studio. He's going into the foray of working with the streaming service, particularly the biggest one of all right now, which is Netflix, and he's working on a a genre that he is familiar with, which is kind of the film that got him to where he is today, and that, of course, is Dawn of the Dead, and he has a new film called Army of the Dead with Dave Bautista in the leading role. And I think a lot of people were looking forward to this film. I think people were wondering, what is Zack Snyder kind of going to kind of do with an original film again? He's been working the DC Universe for well, basically kind of well over a decade at this moment in time now. And also the fact that this is his first film since the tragic loss of his daughter, Autumn, from suicide a few years ago, which of course led to everything that we now know to be with the whole Justice League scenario. So this is really kind of him rebirthing himself in a way. So what 
were people going to be thinking about Zack Snyder's latest? And of course, the fact that he has always been a very polarizing director in the eyes of a lot of critics and some audience members as well. So how is this film going to go over? And it seems like from the first reactions that we've gotten, for the most part, they are fairly positive. And this comes from us, from Sean O'Connell, who I had on the podcast a few months ago to talk about Zack Snyder's Justice League. And he is the managing editor over at Cinema Blend. And this is what he had to say about seeing Zack Snyder's Army of the Dead. Army of the Dead is a complete, total blast. It's Snyder's funniest film to date. It's legit terrifying in multiple spots. The glow stick and hallway sequence is pure horror. The human cast brings legitimate emotion and the zombies are unreal. Love seeing Zack free of DC. And then Perry Nemiroff over at Collider had this to say. Army of the Dead was very much my kind of thing. As hoped, the setting, Zack Snyder's eye equals a downright stunning display of zombie mayhem and carnage. Fell, fell mighty hard for the whole ensemble, but I might need a two and a half hour movie about just these two when talking about two of the supporting characters in the film. And then Brandon Davis over at comicbook.com had this to say in which he says Army of the Dead is a blast. It takes itself seriously and commits to that. So after a few minutes, I was totally in. It's a big budget, creative, super fun, thrilling, violent zombie film. That's what you want. That's what you get. Great job, Zack Snyder. And for the most part, that's what a lot of people say about the film is that it is very serious. It takes itself seriously, but it is a lot of fun. There's a lot of zombie just insaneness that happens throughout if you're looking for a zombie apocalyptic film. It's original. It's new. The cast is amazing, which you love to hear. And it sounds like it really kind of is just that. There are a few reviews that are very that are negative to the fact that it does potentially for some might feel a little bit longer than they think it could have gone on for, which has really kind of been a criticism of Zack Snyder's for the longest, longest time. And I think that is one of the things that people, excuse me, are seeing with this movie. And I, I think overall, it seems like people are very positive towards this film, which is, I think, really good for Zach because, uh, again, he's been so attached to the DC universe and he's been so controversial within that field that I think for him to just kind of let go of that, have fun with this film, have total creative freedom, which he said he did with Netflix, unlike things that he experienced over at Warner Brothers in DC, I think this is a very liberating experience for him and I think for people just to see his version completely unfiltered, no, he said he didn't get any kind of notes when he did, he reacted to them positively and, and did things that he needed to do, but this is really his project and I think for him, he loves that kind of stuff, which is why I think he should stay with Netflix and I know he's a, a theatrical guy, he makes films for the theatrical experience, which is why this is a big deal in the fact that Cinemark is actually going to be airing this movie in theaters for around 600 places, which is the widest expansion that has happened with one of the major theater chains with Netflix. And so I think for Zack Snyder, I think that would be a great thing where if people want to see it in theaters, they can go see it in theaters, but they can also watch it at home if they want to as well. And again, this happens to a lot of people that work with Netflix. You get that creative freedom that you desire on every film set that you are on. And it seems like Netflix just trusts their artists to do what they want to do for good or for bad. And I think it seems like for Zack Snyder's Army of the Dead, it for the most part worked out for the best and not for the worst. So I'm really intrigued by what I've seen so far with Army of the Dead and just hearing these reviews gets me very excited for the next few weeks. I think this is a perfect summer movie season film for Netflix, which is really trying to get a full slate of films in throughout the year. 
And it, there were some big films that came out in the beginning of 2021, but I think the summer movie season that Netflix has on its slate is gonna kind of start ramping it up a little bit. And one of the things that's gonna get that started off, of course, is Army of the Dead. And again, you can watch it in theaters if you want at select places, but if you wanna watch it at home, I think this can kind of be the kind of old guard of last year where that was a fun summer movie film to watch on Netflix. And I think that is exactly what Army of the Dead could bring as well. So what do you think about these reactions to Army of the Dead? Let me know what you think and leave your thoughts. And the final thing that I want to talk about on the Sam Bissell podcast today is, of course, some Black Widow news from the Marvel Cinematic Universe that came out today in the form of character posters. And we got character posters for the major, major players in this film, which will be the first solo film that Scarlett Johansson has gotten for playing Natasha Romanoff, aka Black Widow. We get character posters for Florence Pugh's Yelena Baklova, who also becomes kind of the coveted Black Widow throughout the comics. You also have David Harbour as Red Guardian making an appearance. You have Rachel Weisz coming in. You also get kind of the first full look in a poster of Taskmaster, who will be the antagonist of this film. And of course, you get O.T. Fingley, who was casted as Rick Mason, and we haven't seen a whole lot of, of, of O.T. We've, we, he came out during Comic-Con during the casting announcement, the, 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 the casting call of the film in 2019, but we never really got anything from him other than seeing him in the final poster when the film was supposed to come out in May of last year, but we got no footage of him whatsoever, and this is kind of the first full glance we're getting of the character and it makes me wonder which i think a lot of people agree with as well is the fact that could this character rick mason potentially be the taskmaster which would i think kind of explain a lot is if we don't have a lot of footage of him so i I wonder if that theory will turn out to be correct but overall i'm excited to see what this guy is going to bring to the table and i think just overall the fact that we are getting this film two years or well over two years since we got an MCU film since 2019 with Spider-Man Far From Home, I think it's just going to be a great breath of fresh air. And I know some people might not be happy that it's coming out on Disney Plus, but again, if Disney feels like they need to do that, then I think that is something that they're going to have to do. Maybe they rescind that order in in the future, but I don't know if that's actually going to happen or not. But again, overall, just to get a Marvel Studios film in theaters or on Disney Plus is going to be so great to finally have. And I just, it'll continue the Marvel train that we've been getting since the beginning of the year. Now that we have Disney Plus shows from the MCU, of course, WandaVision and the Falcon and the Winter Soldier kicking off that brand new ever for the MCU. So I think it's going to be really exciting that Black Widow finally gets her due. Scarlett Johansson finally gets her due as Natasha Romanoff. It's going to be great. And I think these character posters just reinforce that. So I'm really, really excited for this film on July 9th. What did you guys think about the Black Widow photos? Let me know what you think and leave your thoughts. And with that down and out of the way, that will do it for this edition of the Sam Bissell Podcast. So once again, everybody, thank you so much for tuning in. Be sure to check out my channel for more content. You check me out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Radio Public, SoundCloud, and much more. 
Also check out the Ambiguous Podcast Solutions, and be sure to check out the other amazing shows that are on there, such as The Mad Bro, the number one source to see what the internet is pissed off about on a weekly basis. Also check out Goal Driven Professionals, geared toward improving client relations, return on investment, and customer acquisition costs for independent businesses and services. Also check out the amazing Wrestle Attic Radio. You can also check out the amazing Daily Grind as well, a weekly motivational podcast with Kelly Johnson, giving you everyday tips and key takeaways on reaching your goals. You can also check out the awesome shows such as WrestleMania Podcast and Midnight Showing. You can also check out the website AmbiguousPodcastSolutions.com. Also on Facebook and Twitter at Real Ambiguous. And if you want to check out Kennedy Trios, use the coupon code Ambiguous. Also, when you get a chance, make sure to follow me on social media. You can find me on Twitter at Bissell Samuel. That's B-U-S-S-E-L-L-S-A-M-U-E-L. And you can also find me on Facebook at Sam Bissell. Also, you can find me on my YouTube channel at the Sam Bissell Podcast. So once again, everyone, thank you so much for tuning in. And until next time, keep on screening.